0: Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood gets the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction.
1: I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns.
0: I'm Tanner, they, them, and welcome to the beginning of year three? Year three, season four. Yep.
1: (laughs) Of Once Upon a Time. Doo doo doo.
0: Yeah, Yeah, they didn't really have like a, a leitmotif or a theme or anything.
1: They did, I just don't really remember it.
0: Because it was, it was real subtle, it was like wind chimes or some shit.
1: Yeah, it sounded like a music box.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not like they'd come roaring out of the gate every time, like, Da-da-da-da-da, it's time for Once Upon a Time. Here's Snow
1: White and Charming, they fuck. <laughs> I mean, how else are they supposed to have the brood of children that, honestly, they should have?
0: Yeah, well, they ended the series... The, two? They had two. Maybe they had three. Uh, by the end of the series, there Emma were two different and... Emmas.
1: <laughs> Half for sure Emma and a baby named Neil were going to change that name.
0: Because Neil ain't dead.
1: Yeah, Neil ain't dead. And honestly, they weren't even that close to Neil to begin with. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: um... Rumpel is dead. Yes. Did we kill Tamara?
1: No, we're going to keep her around as Neil's new love. Because I like right Emma Hook. They're endgame.
0: <laughs> also, hey, what if we put black people in the show? What a concept.
1: Yes. And they actually get to do things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when we left off... In season uh, three, we had killed uh saved Henry from Peter Pan, but the magic was, uh, I think it had become unstable? Yeah, it had become unstable.
0: Uh, yeah, Greg, Greg, the normal human man, got a hold of the <laughs> Blue Fairy's wand and snapped it in half, and now all the magic has started to fade from the Enchanted Forest.
1: I also realized that we never really actually explained what Greg's whole deal with with is with Regina. Oh, that's
0: right. Okay, so (laughs) rewind back to season two. (laughs) Once upon a time, Greg was a young boy who was camping with his father in the middle of nowhere. And then one night, middle of nowhere, turned into a random town in Maine because that's when Regina cast the Dark Curse. And so they incorporated themselves into the town, and Regina knew that they shouldn't be there because she had already, like, lived the same day 700 times already. And then she's like, finally, something new. I'm going to, ad- I'm going to marry Greg's father and adopt Greg as my own child, because I've I wanted a child all my life to love. I'm desperately seeking love. <laughs> uh, but then Greg's dad is like, no, I can't, because you're evil. And she's like, then I'll rip out your heart. And so she does that, and Greg manages to escape Storybrooke, but then he can never find his way back in, because you're not supposed to be able to find your way into Storybrooke in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so he does the show patented line, I will find you, Dad! (laughs) And then he does, but when he does, he's a grown man, he's evil, and then he finds out his dad died, and he cries, manly tears. Yeah. Also, Greg is played by, oh gosh, what's the kid's name? He's played by Ethan Embry, who played Mark in Empire Records. Okay. Who was the stoner kid who watched himself get eaten by Guar. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, another fun fact I found out today is that uh, Keegan Connor Tracy, who plays the Blue Fury, she also played one of the people in Final Destination 2. <laughs> she got a pipe through her head.
1: We all gotta start somewhere.
0: <laughs> D- yeah. <laughs> Greg, yeah, that's his whole deal is that he hates magic. Magic is bad. Magic killed my dad. So now I'm going to kill all the magic.
1: So the main plot this season, despite my usual stance that it should be an Emma focus show, but this season it's going to be mostly a Regina focus show because Greg is out to kill her. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there's a good reason, but also Greg is like magic is evil and I shall destroy magic. So he's working with the Gale Corporation, which was our, uh, anti-magic organization from the previous season.
0: Yeah, because Dorothy Gale went a little bit off the deep end. Yeah. Do we want Dorothy herself to show up? Or is it going to be like one of her descendants?
1: I was thinking like her granddaughter, who I named Jocelyn, which is a name associated with one of Frank L. Baum's in-laws. Okay. Yeah, it's both a deep cut, but if you know your American feminist history and your American occult history... You're going to know who I'm talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I don't.
1: <laughs> uh, he was married to a big-time suffra- uh Daughter of a big-time suffragette.
0: Oh, yeah, because I think I think the character of uh, Commander Ginger was based off of her. Yeah. They wanted to turn the Emerald City into Suffragette City.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Aw, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway this person is named uh, Jocelyn Gale and basically the initial Gale Corporation what I was thinking in the actual week that I actually spend, spent planning this instead of you know taking my time throughout the year of revising and coming up with an extensive plan but no no everything here is the last minute <laughs> Um, basically The mission has kind of changed a bit over time. It's still fairly anti-magic, but Jocelyn has realized, oh, wait, what if we could harness magic for our own purposes over in our world? Mm -hmm. So one of the missions is to create a connection, like a permanent portal between our world and the Enchanted Forest so that they can go in and out taking stuff as they want. This main group is going to consist of like Jocelyn Gregg, and just a a nameless, like, private military contractor to act as mooks.
0: (laughs) So I have a thought, basically, that if you want to build a stable portal, you're going to need, like, okay. The most stable portal in the history of Once Upon a Time was either Jefferson's hat or the tree that got Emma and Pinocchio to the World Without Magic. Yes. So my thinking is that if Jocelyn and Greg are wanting to build a permanent portal between the Enchanted Forest and the Land Without Magic, then they're going to need a very powerful tree. Yeah. So put a pin in that. Remind me to bring up trees again at the end of the episode.
1: Okay, then.
0: <laughs> All right. Because I I wasn't thinking about plot necessarily, but I was thinking a lot about the pieces that we had. Yeah. Uh, both stuff that occurs in the actual four season, Once Upon a Time and the stuff that we put on the board at the end because one thing that we got to talking about a lot was this idea of primordials like very powerful very ancient magical beings essentially the gods that yeah even if magic for most people is failing they still have theirs cuz that's like that's the real magic the true magic and that's magic that like extends throughout all of the different multiverse not just the enchanted forest and I was also thinking, like, because their primordials usually embodied a whole ass concept, and conveniently, uh, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland introduced Nyx, who wasn't outright said as a primordial, but she is like literally in the mythology of reality. <laughs> she's the primordial yeah. that is nighttime.
1: Yes, she's pretty eldritch, even though she appears as a beautiful woman. Uh, her. Usual mate is Erebus, who is darkness, and uh, their children include like old age, nightmares, death, madness.
0: Um, I I will point out actually that when she appears in Once Upon a Time Wonderland, she basically looks like Samara from The Ring, nice. including crawling out of a well. Nice. Um. Oh, fitting that you brought up the fact that nightmares is one of her children. Because I was thinking another primordial, also from Once Upon a Time Wonderland, could be the Jabberwock. Because okay. Jabberwock is never ex- uh, described in explicit detail uh, using real words in the original poem. So, a lot of people yeah, it's go. It's a
1: nonsense poem.
0: Yeah. But people will go in various directions. A lot of people put it as some kind of dragon type monster because that's what the famous artwork portrays it as.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but Once Upon a Time in Wonderland went in a different direction. And it was like this creature that could, it could see your fears and then do exactly what to say to turn them against you.
1: Ooh.
0: Oh, also, it was a sexy lady.
1: Okay. Very interesting. So. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, and she
0: she couldn't die. She had to be impaled on the Vorpal sword and stuck inside a cave. And then the mid-season was Jafar freeing her. Okay. Oh yeah, Jafar was the big bad of Once Upon a Time on Wonderland. Yeah. Listen, behind the scenes, we've gone back and forth over whether we want to do a Once Upon a Time on Wonderland and when that would fall. I feel like... This season four should be kind of the backdoor pilot of it, essentially. Okay. So I want to actually incorporate Alice as a character. Okay. So some of the other primordials I had ideas for, um, once again, drawing from something that Once Upon a Time introduced and then never followed up on, was the idea that Ursula isn't just a sea witch, she's like a sea goddess. And even yeah. even the legit Ursula that they meet is not actual sea goddess Ursula. She just named herself after her. Yeah. The uh, The real Ursula was played by Yvette Nicole Brown and manifested in Regina's mirror and, like, was made entirely of gold and declared, Regina, if you ever impersonate me again, I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> and Regina didn't even know that Ursula was real. She shot, she, she, she sold seashells on the seashore. She thought that <laughs> Ursula was a legend, which is a wild concept that there are legends that are legendary to legends. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Ursula would be the sea primordial. Um... The Wind Primordial... So here's my... One of my ideas was that for some primordials, like, it's more of a title than an actual person, so it is a little bit in the sense of the dark one. Okay. It's a title that can be passed down, um, but it just so happens that people like Ursula and Nyx and some of the other ones, they never had to pass it down. They've survived until modern times without having to give it to anyone. But I would say that the Wind Primordial... Uh, That title wound up being passed down to a little lady named Zelena.
1: (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) So because we talked about Zelena, but I don't think we ever actually put her in a spot for this episode. No. But it makes sense that she has like wicked witch wind powers. Yeah. So she can be a factor. Um, And then fire and earth. Well, those two primordials are engaged in a battle between each other where Earth keeps trying to bring in springtime, and fire is a big old bird. It's the firebird suite from Fantasia.
1: Okay, I like that.
0: And then there's a nice primordial, and that's another one that has been passed down through the generations, through the Arendelle family line. (laughs) (laughs) We are still incorporating Frozen.
1: Yeah, that was my plan too. Because I'm gonna... Once again, kind of split up everybody into doing different tasks to eventually come together and beat Greg and the Gale Corporation. So on the one hand, I got like Regina and a couple other companions. They're on the run. They're also looking for allies. I wanted to give Red something to do this season. So we're gonna incorporate all of the werewolf stuff. Nice. Plus we're gonna look for the daughter I, I just like um totally revised the daughter of Maleficent. Oh, Lilith. Yeah. I did rename her Arabella because it's another like deep cut re- literary reference. Um, it's one. It comes from one of Bram Stoker's other novels. Uh, oh, what was it called? It's like the White Worm, and it's about like a demonic dragon that lives under a hill in a small English town.
0: Okay, I always liked when the show is like, "We're gonna name our daughter Lilith, a beautiful name," and no one is sitting there is pointing. I'm like. Uh, you're naming it after, like, a biblical demonic figure?
1: Yeah. She was associated with serpents and owls. You know what? Maybe we'll keep the name Lilith, because automatically you're just like, oh, you're supposed to be bad.
0: Yeah. Well, Lilith got such... She got so shortchanged. I mean, so many characters got shortchanged on the show, but Lilith especially because she was set up to be the big foil to Emma. Yeah. And then they completely drop her. Yeah. And th- and then she doesn't even appear in the finale. It's just like, Zelena and Regina are driving convertible through the multiverse and like, oh, by the way, Lilith's dad was Zoro, who's also a dragon.
1: It's just so bad. So <laughs> fucking bad.
0: It's so stupid, it loops back around.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know who would be friends with the Flame Primordial? Dragons. And that's how we can bring Maleficent back into the situation. Yeah. Well, that, and also, if they're trying to establish more permanent links to the real world, then magic can keep on leaking into Storybrooke via the Enchanted Forest. Yeah. And that could be Resurrects Maleficent at some point.
1: Yeah. So, okay, maybe the other thing that happens, because I was... I think in my mind, like, they're still, like, physically in the Enchanted Forest, but if we kind of accidentally created this link, maybe Storybrooke, the town, is kind of, like the link and then you walk into the forest and it's almost like in um oh the magician's nephew with the forest in between the different worlds yeah yeah
0: and make this shit even more kingdom heartsy
1: yes (laughs) but also making it rather convenient to just like the shit's gonna happen okay
0: yeah well that's that's another thing is like So if we've got some Primordials in Wonderland and some in um, Oz, then there's going to have to be some world hopping going on.
1: Yeah. So uh, Regina, Tinkerbell, Red, and um, our version of uh, Robin Hood's daughter, Diana. Okay. Yeah. So they're going to be the main party. Trying to stay away from uh, Greg, who's probably going to have his allies. They're doing the whole hunting each other while also looking for allies and, you know, doing the whole, Regina isn't as bad as you think she is, or at least she's gotten better. The biggest point of this entire thing is Regina's character development.
0: I think it would make more sense if Emma's party links up with Lilith. Okay. Because again, foils and whatnot. Yeah. Regina's group could be the one that come upon Alice, because Alice would have had, like, interaction with Korra when she was the Queen of Hearts. Yeah. And then she had to deal with Anastasia when she became the Red Queen.
1: Yeah. Whatever happened to Anastasia? I forget her fate.
0: We don't know. Because like, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland ended with, and they all lived happily ever after. And then the Knave of Hearts came back in season four Once Upon a Time and was like, oh, I don't know what happened to Anastasia, my one true love, but now I'm dating Belle because we're trying to trick people into thinking that Rumpelstiltskin is over Belle. And and then it's like, oh, we never find out what happened to Anastasia because Nave is written out by the end of season four because they just kind of round him in there. And Michael Soka, the actor, was like, "Hey, I love being on this show, but do I get to actually physically be on the show?" And they're like, "No, we don't actually have a role for you. We just felt like paying you the main character salary."
1: I I swear, the show after the Frozen arc was just written day to day.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, that's, that's, there's a reason I only lasted into halfway through season five. (laughs) Yeah. I saw the cracks start to form.
1: Yeah. So, maybe Regina and her crew meet up with Alice and the Knave because Anastasia's missing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's also the long-running theory, a long-running theory that Anastasia was one of Cinderella's stepsisters, and I guess that at some point was... Uh, Deconfirmed, but I refuse. That. I I'm gonna re reestablish that link that she's one of the stepsisters. Yeah.
1: The final, I would say, three seasons. I just refuse to acknowledge ever existed.
0: Yeah, um, I I like bits and pieces of Camelot. Yeah, there's there, there's there's grab bags of things. I don't think there's anything we could take from season six, but there's grab bags of things that we could use in our stuff in the future. Yeah um I, I did a quick google so have you ever heard of the tale of Zarovich ivan the firebird and the gray wolf it's a russian fairy tale i'm not sure if oh, you've yes. heard of it
1: yes <laughs> because it was one of the bases for the firebird ballet
0: oh how fascinating it's almost like i planned this
1: <laughs> all going according to keikaku <laughs>
0: You know, you know what helps it go even more according to Keikaku? At some point, the, okay, so this is a fairy tale about a prince named Ivan, and he's got to go catch a firebird for, I don't know, he's going to be the greatest Pokemon trainer. Along the way, he he becomes best friends with a wolf that like was going to eat him, and then I was like, wait, please? And the wolf was like, yeah, okay. <laughs>
1: Also, this Prince Ivan is one of like 50 Prince Ivans.
0: (laughs) And the wolf is like, now I have a Prince Ivan of my very own. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: At at some point, the prince needs to rescue a princess, and the wolf is like, well, hey, in addition to be able to run faster than the speed of sound, I can also turn into a princess. Yeah. (laughs) Conclusion. Ivan and the Grey Wolf are MLM WLW Solidarity, and the Grey Wolf ends up being Ruby Ruby Red Riding Hood's new love interest. Yeah! (laughs) Guess what? It's lesbian time.
1: Oh, yes. We are actually going to do the lesbians, not the... um, We shoved this in last minute.
0: You know how we established a very lesbian-coded character in Mulan, and we established a second very lesbian-coded character in Merida, and then we had two of them be complete heterosexuals in order to pair up Ruby and Dorothy Gale in their sole appearances before they fucking evaporated until the end of the series?
1: Yep. <laughs> this this writing team... Holy fuck.
0: It's just, it's just a dartboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dartboard and hatchets.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, Team B is going to be Emma and Hook and uh Neil and Tamara. They're going to go to Arendelle because there's some legends told of a mighty and powerful primordial Elsa. And so, one of the things I am going to keep from the later seasons is that a person born from true love. Also has magical powers. Yeah. So I'm going to introduce a new character who I want to establish now because he's going to go bad later. I'm going to establish Rothbart, but he will be known as Wilhelm. Okay. Yeah. Because, okay, in some versions of the Swan Lake Ballet, they will combine Prince Siegfried's tutor, Wilhelm, with the evil sorcerer, Rothbart. Uh, Prince Siegfried is the guy who falls in love with Odette. Okay. Yeah. So, in this case, Wilhelm is a fairly competent, well-established wizard, but he's still on the young side, so we can get young, hot, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to join because while Emma has some magical abilities, she's still, like, getting used to them, doesn't know what to do, and everybody else is more on the muscle fighty combat side, including Emma, so they need a wizard for the party. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You know, I'm thinking about how much I loved the Emma and Ingrid storyline from the original Once Upon a Time Season 4. Yeah. And I'm debating whether we should bring that in because we've already said so many things. It's already quite a stuffed season. And, like, we do have the advantage that this is an arc taking up the entire 22 episodes. Whereas Frozen was, like, all the Frozen stuff from Once Upon a Time was condensed to, like, Ten or eleven episodes, yeah. And all they did was worry about the Frozen characters and and Ingrid, who technically is an original character for Frozen, but it works because she's specifically based off of the original fairy tale Snow Queen rather yeah. than the interpretation from Frozen, which I thought was brilliant. And yeah. so it's just Ingrid and the Frozen characters, and Ingrid has a connection to Elsa because Ingrid was Elsa's first foster parent, basically. Yeah. No, Emma's first foster parent.
1: Emma's first foster parent.
0: Um, who then stole her memories because something something uh, cast a curse that makes everyone hate each other and then use magic to something something. We're the X-Men. And I'm Magneto, both ice.
1: <laughs> I am both Magneto and Emma Frost. A li- just a scooch. I mean, she's got the color scheme. Yeah.
0: Um, that, that, and that whole that, that also had a fun time where like Everyone got cursed by the... There was the curse of shattered glass. And it was yeah. like the the mirror fragments from the original fairy tale. Yeah. Where you get it caught in your eyes and then all you can see is the worst in everybody. Yeah. And so everyone turns evil, but it's like almost completely played for laughs.
1: <laughs> yeah! <'Cause-> <laughs> Cause Regina just storms into the sheriff's office in like her full Regina outfit to fight Snow White. Poofs into queen mode. Who is still dressed up like a an elementary school teacher. Yeah,
0: and they have a whole sword fight wh- yeah. while at the same time Snow is having a marital marital troubles with Prince Charming, and they're yeah. snipping at each other. We we briefly see like. So Hook is immune because something, something. I forget everything that happened, but he goes to find Henry, and Henry's just wailing on him like a little brat. And so Hook basically locks him in a closet.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and then at at the end, the curse is broken, and uh, everyone, especially Regina, instead of like, what wacky magical hijinks we were just up to, we almost stabbed each other. <laughs> It was very good. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second half of season four started and it was all camp, no substance. Maybe it was secretly directed by Ryan Murphy. That's the other thing. Uh, Cruella? I love Cruella. She has no place in this season. Yeah, no. I'll find a way to bring Cruella into this, but this is not happening here.
1: Yeah. So, the whole Ingrid thing, because like I was trying to integrate the Frozen 2 stuff... The reason why I sent you that music video of like Wardruna and Aurora is because Aurora was like she didn't actually play a character, but she was kind of like the voice that was compelling Elsa to go on this adventure into the unknown. Okay. And I'm like, "Ooh, I want to have Aurora do something like that or you know, incorporate this Wardruna Aurora song." But yeah, it was mostly because um Arendelle has its own Enchanted Forest, basically. And I was thinking that would be a really neat location for uh, Emma and her team to find the important MacGuffin that's going to help reestablish magic in the Enchanted Forest. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that was the big thing. I didn't really plan to incorporate the Frozen stuff that much because I didn't know how to incorporate Ingrid, basically. But... She could still be a member of Anna and Elsa's family who wound up in our in the world without magic still oh God oh,
0: she could have she could have so she still could have been Emma's first foster parent and she could have tried to train Emma in her magic, but when that wasn't working, then she removed Emma's memories when she was a child. Okay. And so she wasn't, because in the show, she was hiding out in Storybrooke and she removed Emma's memories when they first met. Yeah. But we could say that instead she removes Emma's memories as a child and so Emma doesn't even know what's going on until Ingrid returns them to her and Ingrid has just been out in the real world. Yeah. Maybe she's been undercover in the Gale Corporation searching for a way back into the Enchanted Forest. Okay. And then she finds, she wasn't even looking for Emma, but she finds like, oh my gosh, it's Emma.
1: Okay, and then we could also like have her as a sort of POV character for like an episode or two, where we learn some of the Gail Corporation's motivations for doing stuff.
0: Yeah, and then she could she would meet a a dark and tragic end because if she keeps the same backstory as the Ingrid in the show, where she accidentally killed one of her sisters, and then this this is the kind of magic user that Jocelyn and the whole corporation points at and says these are dangerous. That's why magic needs to be controlled.
1: Yeah. Even though nobody on our side of the veil knows that this magic is real.
0: But we're going to tell them, and then (laughs) we have to control it.
1: Yeah. So, someone at some point has to get onto a big screen TV and do a whole mutants reveal, basically. But that's for later. Yeah. As I said, I have not a lot of stuff sketched out as I had wanted. But the other... Main group is going to be Philip and Aurora as leaders of the Enchanted Forest with Belle, Maid, Mary, and the Charmings. And they're the ones who are doing a lot of the, you know, on the ground, fighting the guys, fighting the Gale Corporation.
0: Searching for allies to help hold the line. Yeah. So that's some stuff where we can get things closer to the episode of the week in season one. Yeah. Where it's just, here's a fairy tale character you thought you knew, or here's a Disney character you thought you knew. Yeah. Here's... (laughs) We, we've convinced a terrifying warlord, Bo Peep, to do a face turn.
1: Because <laughs> as it turns out, she has a uh, sad and tragic past with Miss Muffet. <laughs> 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 but no, it could also be an interesting way, because we've been kind of bandying around the idea of um, introducing Baba Yaga, who's another awesome Slavic fairy tale character. Yeah because another interesting magic user who can offer help and assistance or, you know, eat you.
0: Yeah. So you d- you don't want to go overboard with the Baba Yaga. Like I want we would want it to be like a three episode character max and like just play sporadically throughout the season.
1: Yeah. And like maybe we could instead do something like still have Baba Yaga but only in like three episodes but like if you want some other Russian fairy tale characters to kind of become part of at least the supporting cast, there are still like the various Vasilisas, the various Prince Ivans. Um oh, there's a couple of bug tears. Those are like the Russian equivalents of like Arthur's Knights of the Round Table. One was supposedly stronger than Mother Earth, which could be neat. Um we should introduce the frog princess. Oh yes. Yes. The
0: the traditional well, actually, we could combine the frog princess legend with the frog prince legend. Yeah. And Have t- Tiana be the lady who was trapped in frog form, eventually like freed for, mo- like she can, as opposed to the the cartoon, she can be a human for a majority of the time. Yeah. Apparently, Tiana was a major character in the last season.
1: Yeah, she w- barely did anything.
0: But at least she was a human the whole last time.
1: Yes. If we're going to do some Arendelle stuff, we could also do some stuff revolving around Hans, because he's from the Southern Isles. Maybe he's related to Eric from The Little Mermaid. Oh, that yeah, that could be a thing. Yeah.
0: He's the shitty cousin.
1: <laughs> or he's the youngest brother.
0: I mean... They they, they kind of make it sound like Hans is the least bad of that whole family.
1: Mm, yeah, I remember I did do a thing for an outline of a fan fiction where I actually had like all of Hans's older brothers and one of his nieces was Princess Tatterhood, uh, who's from Ooh. a Norwegian fairy tale. So the story goes, as a king and queen have uh, two daughters. One is very pretty. She's gonna inherit. She's the older one. She's gonna inherit the the kingdom but um she's rather weak and unprotective unlike her younger stronger sister who is also very ugly um who fights trolls with a giant spoon while riding around on a goat and i'm like she would be fun <laughs> um should regina get her full redemption now or is that going to be an end of series thing
0: i think she she would have earned it by now because her redemption arc would have started back in season 2 yeah like i th- i think Honestly, I think pushing it even to the end of season four would be pushing it if she's towing the line between light and darkness. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, I feel like it would make more sense if Regina completed her internal redemption arc by the end of season three and season four is her like of making amends yeah. that that portion of stuff. Yeah. Where it's it's not about... She knows that she can be a good person. She doesn't have to learn that anymore. But she's go around and, and trying to help people and right the wrongs that she did as the evil queen.
1: Okay. So that's how she gets allies. She goes to all the different people that she has wronged.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not even about like proving that she can be good. It's about she's doing it because it's right. Yeah. And we could have... Probably not more than one episode, but definitely have one episode where, like, she finds a family she's wrong and she does everything she can to help them. And they're like, we still can't trust you. And, like, I understand, but I'm helping you because it's the right thing to do. And, like, even after everything, they're still not going to align with her. But Regina leaves knowing that she did the right thing.
1: Yeah. It would be, like, our our equivalent of the Zuko Alone episode.
0: I've never seen a single episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. But that one you can spoil for me. (laughs)
1: How have you not seen a single episode of Avatar The Last Airbender?
0: Well, I didn't have a Nickelodeon when I was growing up, and then by the time it was more easily accessible, I had a job.
1: I had just assumed that you had seen it.
0: Well, it's because I've absorbed enough information through osmosis, just to, like passing by and glancing at things, that I can hold a decent conversation about like the themes and major plot elements, but if you bring up specific episodes, I'm not going to know anything.
1: Okay. Basically, similar thing to what we were describing about Regina. He tries, like, he's trying to protect this village. They eventually find out that he's a firebender, and they reject him, and he leaves. That's the reference point. Anyway, the other thing I want to do, because there's the whole, you know, Hades arc I want to do, eventually.
0: Okay, you want to lay the seeds for that?
1: Yeah, by... You know, maybe at the final climatic battle, Regina sacrifices herself, but then we do weird magic shenanigans to bring her back to life, which is another thing that ticks Hades off.
0: I have an idea for the magic shenanigans, since (laughs) we're getting close to uh, end of the episode and end of the season. (laughs) So remember I mentioned that they have to find a cool tree to make a permanent portal out of?
1: Oh, yes.
0: So they find that uh, Jocelyn and Greg are able to, or maybe just Jocelyn, because I, I feel like Greg is the kind of person who would, like, get killed off halfway through the season. Yeah. R.I.P. in peace.
1: He is a one-off character. The, the greater scope villain shall be Jocelyn. How about?
0: Yes. So this tree, they get it. It's, it's chock-a-block full of magic. So much magic. So much real old magic. And they make a portal out of it, and it's the permanent. It's stuck there. It is immovable. And yeah. they open it up, but before anyone can go one way or another between the Enchanted Forest and Storybrook, this guy pops out. And it's all wizardy and sorcery and shit. And he uses magic and he resurrects Regina. And they're like, oh my gosh, who are you? And he turns around. And he's like, oh, I'm Merlin. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how we bring Camelot back into season five. Yes. <laughs> but we're doing it right this time.
1: Yes. I had visions on what Camelot would look like. It wasn't any of that. Um, I was almost hoping for, like, an older-looking place, but oh well.
0: Well, we can get into that next year.
1: Yeah. Um, so you know what? Even though I hadn't given her much thought, we should actually flesh out Jocelyn. Into what sort of villainous should she be?
0: Uh, she'd very much be the kind of, like, power, power corrupts. Yeah. And she, like, she comes into the situation believing that magic is dangerous in the wrong hands, but also at no point will she entertain the possibility that her hands are the wrong hands.
1: Okay. Kind of like, um, because I had recently rewatched Nausicaa the Valley of the Wind, I was thinking a little bit of Princess Kushana, a little bit more of a chess mastery, almost... Hmm. I think with this whole pushing out of the Gale Corporation from Storybrooke and the Enchanted Forest, she's got to do a lot more subterfuge Yeah. And more sneakiness in the next season. So maybe she gets to show her more, like, end side.
0: Yeah, this is definitely a situation where she's playing a long game. Like, we could even say that it's a long game that started with Dorothy, because she's her granddaughter. This has been going on for generations. Not only has this girl been raised, like, basically indoctrinated against all forms of magic, but also she's been raised knowing everything that they've been doing to try and track down a source of magic and get rid of it. And so that it cannot hurt people. So she's like, I'm. This is my my blood given destiny, my family bound duty that I must fulfill to honor my mother and her mother before her. Yeah. But she's also the kind of person that, like she's so has such a single minded focus that she like she her motivations boil down to gotta control magic so it can't hurt people. At no point does she think that she should not be controlling the magic, and at no point does she think that hey other things can also hurt people. Like She's just so completely I will save the world by controlling magic, and people who I exploit and people who I hurt and harm on the way there, it's it's the price of doing business. Yeah. Because she's not really like, it's a corporation, but she's not in it for the bottom dollar. She's just using those profits to siphon into her like, a good chunk of the company is going to be like, why are you trying to find a portal to another dimension? That's silly. And then she does.
1: Well, maybe she could have her own Starscream who's a bit more interested in the actual profit side of what magic could do. Frollo. No, Frollo is all about this one woman wouldn't sleep with me, so I'm going to burn down Paris.
0: What if. Hang on, let me check if he's still alive. Oh, no, he passed away this year. I was going to say that Fred Willard could reprise his role as the by and large CEO from Wally.
1: Oh, but he
0: unfortunately he has passed away.
1: Yeah, I was almost thinking of doing some sort of version of like um, oh, he was played by David Ogden Stiers, who also passed away a couple of years ago as a uh, Governor Ratcliffe from uh, Pocahontas. But maybe, I mean, no,
0: well, no, that makes a lot of sense too. Or it could be because we we could just have him be like. He's not actual Governor Ratcliffe, but he's, yeah. like, the descendant of one of the original colonists that fucked everything up. And maybe he his last name is Ratcliffe. Yeah. Or we could say he's a descendant of John Smith, because John Smith, the real man, to fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could work. The, the wild, honestly, the most wild thing about Disney's Pocahontas is that the sequel has her, like, end up with a different guy. Yeah, that's... That is slightly more historically accurate.
1: Yeah, but, but they... also she
0: does still have magical Native American bear whispering powers.
1: Yeah. But also like you almost never see the Disney princess end up with someone else. Yeah. <laughs> that was radical to young Lindsay. <laughs> mhm. Uh, but yeah, we could have some sort of Governor Ratcliffe like guy who's like, "But the money we could make from this." Yeah. Like in the marvel cinematic universe he would be the guy trying to like collect all of the uh chitari and asgardian weapons that wound up on earth just to like reverse engineer them like he wants to develop this magic into weapons basically
0: yeah that makes sense
1: yeah now the main problem that they're going to run into is that uh because we have iron man bell <laughs> um they are going to get into They're going to get their asses handed to them, aside from the whole magic shit. Because, unlike other writers want to do, just because you have slightly better technology does not mean you are automatically going to win a fight.
0: Ewoks versus stormtroopers!
1: (laughs) I mean, the stormtrooper helmet is one of the worst designed helmets out there. I swear to God, most of their issues with aiming comes from the fact that they don't have peripheral vision. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm, ooh, here's an idea for an episode uh where Bell is trying to upgrade her her mech suit <laughs> and they have to track down they have to go find the Colossus of Rhodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that she can do research on it or whatever she's got to do.
1: They run into Daedalus from uh from Greek myth. Yes. Wasn't he a character in the Hercules TV series? Animated TV <sighs> series?
0: I think so. I think he was like the awkward nerd friend. Yeah. No, it was Oh, Icarus. they had
1: Icarus who was the son of Daedalus. What
0: if what if instead of Icarus flying too close to the sun, he just got eaten by Maleficent?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look at him boy. Nom. <laughs> I love how in like so many sci-fi stuff the ships are named Icarus and they go on the dangerous mission. <laughs>
0: You, at that point, you're just asking for it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Season concludes with everybody coming together. Big fight. Regina dies temporarily. We introduce Merlin, because Camelot. Also, another subplot I wanted to do was Henry-centered, because author powers. We're still yes, keeping well,
0: that. This, much like the show, uh, this is where the author subplot would start with Henry, where we find yeah. out that he is like the next to become the author but yep. we won't do a deep dive into it until next season, I think, because this is yep. already a very crowded season.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is more, like, near the end. Um, maybe he was kind of doing some research into, like, the nature of the storybook, because clearly it's tied in with the magic of this of this world.
0: Oh, maybe instead of Merlin just popping out, Henry is able to free Merlin from the tree once it's turned into the gate, and then Merlin in turn is able to resurrect Regina.
1: Okay. There we go. And then at the very end of the season, as a sort of like teaser for the next season, originally I, I was planning on doing like a whole shot where the Dark Ones powers land in Oz, but if we're going to do Camelot, maybe we'll go there instead.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Especially uh, considering some stuff they did with the Dark Ones powers in the Camelot arc, which I actually liked. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. So... In that case, we will open a portal to another world, and inside that world is a friendship promo. Monkey Tales, starting in December from Monkey Man Productions. It's a monthly ongoing series of one-shot episodes, with settings ranging from fantastic other worlds, to possible futures, to the very real and everyday.
1: What am I supposed to be looking at? Everything. Everything? The sky, the stars, just look. (laughs) Do you think your mom is jealous because you went out into space space and she's on the moon? Nah, uh Not me. You. Deepest secret.
0: Monkey Tales is Hope Punk. An optimistic, positive take on storytelling. Where love and resistance don't just light a candle against the darkness, they light a bonfire. Where we win the day by building connections and communities. Where we find hope and use the tales we tell to spread that around. Big auditions. Smaller auditions. Finally, I couldn't even make the list. Things were starting to get dire when Superman saved me. I hope you're intrigued by what you've heard. You can add us to all your podcast apps now. Watch out for monthly episodes beginning December 9th, and we'll go on some hope-punk adventures together. I truly can't wait. Alright, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet?
1: I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476, that's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you?
0: You can find me on Twitter at sparkyupstart, and on Instagram at sparkyyoungupstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at n-i-i-r-y-f-pod. Those are the letters for Not A But You First, and they're pronounced I will always find you, dad! I don't know what that was um you could also email us at notifybut you first at gmail.com uh, that's where you can send your comments critiques criticisms or fairy tale ships you could also send us a friendship promo in the form of either an audio clip or just a proof you want us to read we will promote your podcast your youtube channel your DeviantArt page whatever you want we'll do it for free because we love promoting people or you could ask to be a guest but if you do make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised We have a Patreon that you should not donate to because there's more important things going on right now. There are many wildfires going on in the States and around the world. Also, donate to trans-owned charities so we can fight back against J.K. Rowling, who's a fucking turf. However, because we do have some patrons that are able to donate to us and do all that other great stuff, too, we are going to give them a shout-out, so we want to thank Charlie, Cassidy, Julia, Jenny, and Christina.
1: Thank you all.
0: And if you want to support us and you don't want to do it financially, then you can leave us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. And if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there.
1: Not If I Reboot You First is as as a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can find out more about the other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter.
0: And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex A. Apachew, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us how to find a... You can contact us to find out how to contact him if you would not think of his own for your own. So, Danner. So, Lindsay.
1: Do you have a hint for next week?
0: Next week is the start of October, so we're getting a little spooky. Ooh. And we also have a guest. Ooh. And the guest is bringing a story that begins a thousand years ago when superstition and sword ruled, but also takes place now, here in Manhattan, after spells have been broken and the defenders of the night live again.
1: Oh, this should be fun.
0: Yes. So, we will be dealing with that next week, but not if we reboot you first.
1: Bye.